Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And Erica, happy Ontario election season. Yay. <laughs> and you know how I'm kicking it off? At the Metropolitan Brasserie on the patio. Because it's a beautiful day today. It truly is. And it's also a beautiful day because we are starting off our Women of Color on the Campaign Trail series special for the Ontario election with Jeanette Grewal from the Ontario Liberal Party, and she is running in the riding of Brampton East. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I actually really appreciate this podcast because I do believe, and I do believe the Liberal Party of Ontario is also on the same page as us here, where we don't have enough women of color representing our community. And I think there are so many assets that women of color bring to the table that so many people have not seen. So I'm, I'm really excited to do this because, you know, I, there are so many issues and topics that I want to talk about that have led to my path of where I am today. So that's awesome. Thanks, guys. That's actually a great starting point. Just tell us how you became the, the candidate in Brampton East. So actually, I actually... I'm not going to lie, like to be very frank here, I actually had no intent on actually running in this election. Um, so a little bit about myself. I've always been a liberal. Um, I volunteered with the party for 18 years now. Um, so volunteer and worked um, for the Liberal uh, Party of Ontario or Canada. And I'm very passionate about politics. Um, and grassroots politics is very important to me because I do believe that charity begins at home, you know. And you have to start with your home. And the liberal values have always really aligned with my moral compass and the way that, you know, my community, I'm a sick um, individual. So we do believe in a lot of community service. So, you know, for, for me, my values have always lined up with being a liberal. Um, so with that being said, I actually, um, I ran a couple uh, campaigns uh, here or there. Um, my, my main one that I've, I've really done was um, 2015, uh, Ruby Sahota, she was the Brampton North candidate for the federal election. And I was her um, interim campaign manager and candidate aide. And then I was working for uh, members like Sonia Sidhu. And in 2017, I was actually the regional advisor um, to the Liberal Caucus at, at Queen's Park. Um, and I, I served the Golden Horseshoe region, which was Peel, Halton, Hamilton, and Niagara. I live in Peel. I lived in Brampton East since 1999. And I've seen this community really grow. And the reason why I'm, and then after my time at Queen's Park, I'll just add, I opened my own tutoring center um, in 2018, and now it's a private high school as well, uh, where we, and I opened this during the pandemic because so many of my students who would come to my tutoring center had issues in high school with just getting started, knowing where to start, how to hand in homework, um, studying on their own. There were just so many issues. There were so many fires to put out every day. So I was like, you know what? If you're spending so much time with me anyways, you might as well get your credit with me as well. So I am a ministry inspected school. And what I have learned from this entire process is that what 
our current government is doing is not enough. My students are struggling. My parents are scared. My, I don't even call them my clients anymore because they're like my, they're, they're parents to me. These are real human beings who are worried about their children's success, who are worried about their children's future. We put so much into the city of Brampton. We got like, you know, make a beautiful home, but our children deserve to be educated. Our small businesses deserve, I'm a small business owner, so our small businesses deserve support. We are the pillars of this community. So it's really interesting for me to see during the pandemic how the current Ford government really handled um, education, small businesses, and healthcare funding. Healthcare funding was, oh, if I went on this, you, I would never get me to stop. So that's why I'm running. To be fair, the Ford government did dick all for small. I'm a that, small that would be very fair. That's fair. You know, I mean, that's you know, all, all, all of the, oh, small businesses are the beating hearts of our community and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, you're here for corporations. That's what you're here for. You're here for power and money. Okay. So in the, from the beginning, the Ford government did dick all for small businesses to dick all for anybody really and then and then it gets backstopped to the to the federal government right this is what is so insincere about today's like the today's like political discourse so ford does nothing and the federal government comes in and says okay 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 listen we're going to take the cost of the of this pandemic off of you and your credit cards right so you don't have to spend all that interest trying to borrow money from, from private lenders. We're going to give you money through SERP, through this, through that, through the other. Now, I have problems with the federal government programs too, but whatever, that's for another day. So then Ford is Ford also got money. He got like a billion dollars from the feds. Where's that money? Where is that Where money? Is it? Where that is, is that it? That is a big question. That's spot. You're it's spot on everything that you said. Where is it? I, I, I obviously need to look up AG, like, like, oh, like the Ontario attorney, mm-hmm. you know, general. Auditor general. Auditor general. Thank you. The, like, I, I obviously need to look up those reports because I can't believe that we don't know where a billion dollars went. Okay. That was supposed to go for COVID. This has been this has been uh, one of Erica's recent like pet rants is about <laughs> small business. It's because our community it does not even business. know where it went, and you just released a budget, and there's no you didn't pay off the debt. There's you didn't invest in education. Um, actually, I'm gonna just go off of what Eric has said. Small businesses, he did nothing. Yeah. Now let me tell he you what nothing. Mr. did in my in in Brampton, in my city. He oh, has oh did he do something for your city? No, I, honey, I can't no. believe he did something for your city. No, no, what he did, okay. let, me, let me tell you what he did. He walked around here in Brampton with our very own honorable Prabhupada Sarkaria, who I do respect. I will add that. I do respect him. But I think this was super wrong. Doug Ford walked around, paraded around Brampton, saying, support local, support local, support local. But the next day has a Tim Hortons cup in his hand. And then the day after that, he was promoting McDonald's breakfast. Like, McDonald's doesn't need your endorsement. That was barbaric in my, and you know what I did? I posted it. I said, hey, Brampton, 
look what's happening. He's going around one day saying support local, but has his Tim Hortons cup, has his little Timbits, promoting Tim Beebs, promoting McDonald's breakfast. Like, come on, dude, get a clue. We have banquet halls here. If you wanted to support local, let me tell you what you could have done. Yeah, yeah. Directed all of the school routes. All of our community centers have six or four to six kindergarten classrooms. That's just what it is for, for the summer camps. You could put all the kindergarten children in the community centers where they have open gyms, where they have open playgrounds. So all the rules around that would have been cleared. You could put all the high school kids in hotel conferences and banquet halls, and you could have helped them pay their mortgage. Their mortgages were due. Doug Ford did not pull the plug on mortgages. We all had to pay our bills and we had to stay closed for 18 months. I see small businesses even today, they're playing catch up. My small business is playing catch up. We still have to make up for 18 months that we were closed. Restaurants are not in the clear just because everything is open. Again, they have to make up for 18 months of closures and today they are barely thriving. Skip the dishes and DoorDash. Yeah, they're great incentives, but they did not help small businesses. Like I wouldn't no. order from a restaurant through Skip the Dishes. Come on, I'd rather go there and, and enjoy the ambiance. Mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, gyms didn't have any COVID cases coming out of them, but Costco had 200 people in them. Yeah. It was a systemic way of keeping us out of the economy. So and did Amazon warehouses... So oh, the yeah. Amazon warehouses, where, where yeah. was that? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we have a maple leaf factory um, mm. in Brampton and uh, it's in the south, it's in the West End, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's still workers who come from Brampton East who go all the way to the West End of Brampton. They went to yep. the maple leaf uh, lodge, the maple lodge, for, sorry, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't know what the pronunciation of the company is. <laughs> Meat um, factory. <laughs> <laughs> There. Oh but my there gosh, were so that's many people awesome. who went to work every day there and they got COVID. Really? I swear to God, every month you would hear about an outbreak there. Yep. But mm-hmm. he did not care about these people. He didn't even give us 10 paid sick days for those factory workers. Thank yes. you. But you know what? I will stand up for these people because this is my community. I've lived here since 1999. I'm not going to leave now. I'm not, I want to yeah. make sure that my students live in a city that is going to support them, not Doug Ford coming to Brampton once and saying support local and our banquet halls and our hotels. No one's going to stay in a hotel in the suburbs. They were empty. Okay. I'm just saying like, well, the hotels are for the banquet (laughs) halls. I'm guessing. Yeah. So they have empty conference rooms and they had empty um, and all these banquet halls and all these hotel rooms, they have the projectors, they have the space. You could have housed so many high school students to do chemistry classes or math classes in an actual classroom setting, just a different location, just because it requires a little bit of extra legwork. The fact that, you know, a whole summer went by where everyone was off for three months and you guys couldn't put a plan together for these kids. Oh my gosh, that's what I said. I said that to you. That's negligent. It's negligent. And I will be hammering this in this election. Believe me. You know what? I literally was like, you know, I feel like I've been watching a lot of old law and order lately. And I'm like, I feel like all of these premiers, Doug Ford, Jason Kenney, all of them, 
are guilty of criminally negligent homicide. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what it is. And that's why I don't run for shit because (laughs) I would tweet that. And somebody would be like, oh, we don't like your Twitter. And I'm like, bye. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because some things need to be said and some things need to be phrased. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not scared. You know what? You're right. You're right. I would never really ever do this. I would really never do this. Like putting your name on a ballot as I'm learning is a very difficult thing to do. I do. and, And again, so being a woman of color. This is very difficult for us. And we do need support because there are people out there who think we don't deserve this or we don't know what we're talking about. And, you know, but we bring what women bring. And I think women of color also bring is empathy and compassion and care for our community, which no offense, all the men that you just listed, they don't have those qualities. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't think Ford really cares about our children because he doesn't have children of himself either. Like his children are grown. So when his children went to school, it was a great system. So now he's saying, oh yeah, we also have a great system. No, we do not. We went backwards, honey. And that was never a great system. (laughs) Now he's running a campaign saying, let's build Ontario. It's like, don't you mean break it down? Yeah. But no one wants to call this out. So I'm going to call it out. I mean, someone's got to do it, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) And this is part of why we want to do this series is one, highlight women of color who are running and show others that they can do it too and so they can see themselves as a candidate, but also to, to emphasize that it can be very challenging and that sometimes, you know, depending on your riding, the party infrastructure just isn't there. It can be harder to get volunteers. It can be harder to get donations, but it can also be like, emotionally and mentally taxing to experience harassment and abuse and all of these other things when you're door knocking or on Twitter or what have you. I'm not on Twitter and I'm not on Twitter because um, I'm, I get it a lot of, I get in trouble for it. Like the campaign's like, when are you starting your Twitter? My campaign's like, when are you starting your Twitter? I was like, I'm not on it. You know what it is? I'm not scared of anyone to be very honest. I think as a, as a Brown woman, you have to have thick skin. As a a woman of color, I think if you really want to be successful, and this is what I've really learned, even as my time as a volunteer in in campaigns, um, even when I started my own business, you have to have thick skin and you got to move forward regardless of what kind of day you're having. And I've heard it all and I've seen it all. You know, what's really funny this weekend, as you just said, harassment, people have been calling me on my personal line because my business is, is out there open. Yeah. It's open. I'll show you. I could literally show you my phone right now. And this person, I I answered the phone because I thought it was for my business because it is my business line. And so I answered it. I'm I'm currently not managing my business due to the campaign, but I still answer the phone here or there. I got to, I'm a winner. So someone's calling me. It's It's a prank call, but it gets aggressive because I answered the phone. I was very respectful. They told me to shut up and do this and do that. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And then I was like, I have to go. So I go, and then they keep calling me. They call me about 17 times. Then they sent me text messages being like, answer the phone. Why don't you answer the phone? I did answer the phone. I really did. You verbally were being aggressive. I had to cut the phone. You don't deserve time with me. 
I could spend that time with another voter. But you're right. Women do experiences, and this is why I feel that this election is so important to support women of color. So what you're doing, I'm very proud of you as well. But at the same time, this is where we need to tell women that you need to join your local candidate. You need to get out there and support your female candidates because women make the world go round. We can literally do it all. And it's so unfortunate. because Women you know, of color literally built this place, okay? So yeah. I'm not here for it, okay? I, you know I what? I, how, do you think, how do you think white men got to where they are? <laughs> I mean... It's on the backs of women. It's on, it's on the backs of women. It's on the backs of women of color. So my question to you is what support do you need that you're not getting? Or, or better yet, what support do women of color need that in general, that they're not getting from particular party infrastructure? I know you're only talking about the liberals, but I think, I think we could talk about party infrastructure in like a general way. And I agree. Where where is that delta? Why and why isn't it being filled? <laughs> I have so many thoughts on this because I ask myself this every single time. So even when I was a candidate aide or I was an executive dis- assistant or when I worked as a regional advisor, um, and I would say this in campaigns, I always wondered what can I do to make my candidate feel more comfortable. And I've noticed I have actually done a couple campaigns with some men as well. And there's a huge difference. It's like day and night. It's like women are out here and men are out there. I think when it comes to stakeholders, I think women, this is the reality. Women need more support. Most stakeholders literally think we're bimbos or we have no idea what we're talking about. When we in fact have lived in this community, we experience it on a daily basis. So during a political campaign, Some people have told me, oh, you know what? You don't need to really go off on your agenda because we're going to support you because so-and-so said so, which is great. I love the support. Thank you so much. However, there are so many issues that your wife is facing, that your children are facing, that your daughter is facing, that we need to fix these issues. So it's great that you're supporting me, but I also want you to know why. So when someone asks you, why are you supporting this woman? You have that reason. I think we, especially when it comes to fundraising, you know, I personally, I don't ask for fundraising. I know that I have to. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a good, I'm glad we got into fundraising because I think that that is, you're not the only one, right? I think, yeah, I have a, I have my, my, my fundraising chair who is male handles it. And then I go in with the follow-up and say, thank you so much. But again, I don't think oh, women well have played. To- oh, well played. <laughs> My goodness, yes. You let him do all the work, all the backbreaking work, and then you just swoop in and you're like, I'm the candidate. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support. Because you know what? I've noticed that if I go in there and if I go in with the ask, I'm not going to get the same dollar amount. Or I won't, and I'm sorry, but that's, if we're going to have, if you're going to ask me this question, I think it is very difficult for women to fundraise. I think a lot of we don't talk about this enough. No. I'm glad you're going in. Carry on. I'm a very transparent person. Let me just tell you. (laughs) So this campaign is also like like the patriarchy of the system, right? Because in order for women to get that that dollar value, to get those donations, you need a man to vouch for you. Yeah. and you like, need someone who knows you, 
but and will speak of you highly, but they need to hear it from a man's mouth, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. and it's that's only, and I think yeah. that's the, the, the difference between being empowered and being free of patriarchy, where it's like, yeah. where there's yeah. no like judgment about you, regardless yeah. of your gender, your race, whatever, that would be freedom and being free yeah. to get yeah. equity to men in terms of fundraising dollars, but um, being empowered. So he views, like, you know, if some um, a male um, surrogate is vouching for you, he feels like he's empowering you and sure, but you're, he's also giving you permission. Yes. Yeah. Because and he has the power, if he's giving you something, but it's, if he's giving you permission, it means that he has the power to take it back. That is the whole point. Yes. I do. No, agree I'm not with talking that. about you. Cool. I'm just saying it's no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's definitely like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I've ran campaigns. I have ran campaigns where the men in the office are like, you're you're telling me what to do. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. you're telling me what to do. When mm-hmm. I was at Queens Park, I was one of the youngest regional advisors. I was 24 at the time. And all my colleagues were like in their 30s. And some people actually had a problem with my age. They're like, this girl is telling me what to do. I'm a problem solver just naturally. I think that's why, like, I'm very familiar with policy. I'm also, I'm a natural problem solver. I'm like, the way my brain literally works is, if this is the problem, how do I get to the solution? And what steps do I need to do to get that? Mm -hmm. I think that's why I got that, because I was able to put out a lot of fires really quickly. But a lot of men... When I initially started was she's going to tell me what to do. And my director, who was a male at the time, and he was a great, he was a great mentor, was like, Jenna, you're going in like guns a blazing. You just need to ease them into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And in my head, literally the same thing. I was like, but the women are listening. The women get it. Why? Mm-hmm. But, but unfortunately, there is that, I guess you could say that buffer where men yep. don't like certain things being told to them. <laughs> men only listen to other men. Most of the time, yeah. Unless you can make like a foolproof argument. Mm-hmm. I think otherwise, Even they, don't like, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like your, I like your, I want you on my campaign. I think to answer your first question. <laughs> What gaps and spaces are we missing? I think we all need an Erica on our campaign. <laughs> then, you know what I mean? Like, if we can take you to events with us, if we can take you, like, you know what I mean? You bring that level of comfort, yet re- level of realness. And I think a lot of women are missing that. Like, even some of my friends yeah. wouldn't be good to invite to the campaign. Like, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that. Like, yesterday I had my campaign opening. And some of my friends are like, oh, like, we wish we could come. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's not going to be like, it's not a party. Yeah. This is not yeah. a, we're working the room to get like donations. <laughs> we're working yeah, the yeah. room to get votes. You stay home and stay with your baby. Like, don't worry yeah, about but send it. me your money, but send me your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll yeah. your husband later. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, it's, you're, it's, you're it's like, real don't worry. Quick. I'm coming for him. I'm coming I'm for, coming him, for him. his checkbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But unfortunately, like, that's what it is. And I think a lot of women really don't know how to navigate. I think my experience helps me a little bit because I would be like, okay, if I would look to look at someone, I'd be like, okay, this is how I can navigate this. But a lot of new women who are running right now, they rely on somebody else to 
do that leg work. And, and for me, I think that's, that's, that's really an extra step. That's interesting. So it's, again, if you're adding an extra step, a level, a buffer level to get what you need done, but you have to rely on somebody else for that. Yeah. So when you are your original campaign team, especially, I feel like me, I, I was just nominated like two, like a month ago. I hope mm-hmm. you guys know that. I was not planning on doing this. I was nominated a month ago and now the campaign is in a month. So I had to get my team ready in like the snap of a finger and for a woman like me to leave my business to create a team around me that is mostly men i'm not gonna i i love them i love them i they you know they're me. men they call me every day they're like jonathan you need to call this person jonathan you need to call this stakeholder jonathan you need to do this they would lead me in the right direction but i'm telling you i only have this circle because I put in so much legwork with the party. I, I know I've known these people for years. A lot of women of color right now don't have that mm-hmm. because they're running for the first time. They don't have mm-hmm. many community members or stakeholders who can lead them in this realm. This realm, as much as, and I love the Liberal Party right now because they're, they, they wanted 50% of their caucus to be women. They wanted that. But they also have to, you know, this is where, again, the party platform, you have lots of women, great. But now how can we support those women to help them feel comfortable navigating in their own writings? So right now the party has the vision, but each and every writing, like I can't even imagine running somewhere like Peterborough, where in the rural cities, most people, I wouldn't say Peterborough, sorry, I'll say Niagara because I know that that ride, like Niagara West, for example, is very conservative. Lots yeah. of conservative Christians. I can't imagine a woman running there. Mm-hmm. It would be almost difficult. Yeah. There wouldn't, there's very many stakeholders or women-dominated fields there that could help a female candidate. Yeah, right. In right. as well, it's a male-dominated industry. If you look, like right now, our federal members are majority female, which is lovely. They mm-hmm. And they've been members for now three elections, which is great. So mm-hmm. now men are more inclined to help because they know that females can bring this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But in the yeah, the self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. And But in the 2015 election, mind you, when, when uh, Justin Trudeau... Uh, was rebuilding the party, these women were not given the same courtesy that they're given now. Sure. These yes. women had to prove themselves. And I'm very proud of them. Like, Thumbel Kara is the MP of Brampton West. She's now the Minister of Seniors. Ruby Sahoda, I ran her first campaign. I helped her organize the first campaign. Really proud of her for the work that she's done. She's, she's put great, uh, she has great groundwork um in in this in this uh writing of her writing of Brampton North, but Brampton in general and then mm-hmm. MP Song she's wonderful but at the same time they all had to prove themselves and they all had very strong men behind them as well and well let's I'm, be honest yeah. I'm I'm gonna be honest with you uh a couple of like three other women took the hit for them and did so when I'm talking about Jody Wilson-Raybould, I'm talking about MP Selena or Selena Cesar Chavan. I'm talking about Jane Philpott. And that meant that um, 
that meant that those women, there was a benefit transfer there for those women taking the heat. And I, I just, I'm, I'm not putting this out there to be, I'm just saying that, that we, the first ones that break it, like sometimes it breaks their back. That's what oh, I'm saying. a million percent. So yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a story. The first campaigns that I've ever actually, I was like 10 years old when I, when I went on my first campaign. One was for Mayor Bonnie Crombie when she was the MP of Mississauga Streetsville. Mm-hmm. And the other was Ruby Dalla. And now, you know, when you do like, I don't know if you guys are into like healing and reflecting and all that stuff. I'm really into that. Like, I'm really into like reflecting on my childhood trauma because I feel like it makes me a better educator. It makes me a better person. So when I was looking back and I was talking to Ruby Dalla, she I love what MP you just of- said. I'm reflecting <laughs> on my childhood trauma so that I could be yeah, a better educator. I'm just like, you know what this country needs? A fucking generational shift. That's what it needs. Yeah. I, it needs a turnover. It needs a turn. And, and exactly what you're saying. Like when I was talking, I was talking to Ruby Dalla because she's still one of my biggest mentors. She mm. was, in my opinion, absolutely hit hard for things that she had done as a woman, choices she has made as a woman, which is which is okay. But she took the hit so that the future MPs who would be female, or the MPPs in my case that would be female wouldn't have to bear what she bared. Exactly. And it was so funny because we were talking and I was like, I'm scared to do this. Like that's the first thing I said, and I'm not scared, but I was scared. Like, you know, putting your name on a ballot again as a woman of color could mean so many different things, right? People can nitpick at any little thing if they wanted to. And um, I was scared. I'm not going to lie. This opportunity just came up and she's like, you're always talking about small businesses. You're always talking about the education. System. She's like, why are you scared? Just stand in your truth. And I was like, what if they like, you know what I mean? Like, what um, if they don't like me? What if not even if they don't like me, someone doesn't like me. I'm okay with it. You move on to the next person. But I was like, I don't want my name dragged in the mud for no reason. I don't want someone to be like, Oh, she's a fill you in know the blank. That- do you know that that the greatest fear for me is that like my my biggest fear and it just goes to show the difference between the way women of color like where what women of color center and what's important to us is that my biggest fear is literally somebody digging up shit on my family and like and then putting it out there this is my like me i could take the hit okay i could take the hit I could explain, I could say, fuck you. Like today, somebody's like, oh, we don't know if we want to listen. Wait, Michelle, wait, we don't know if we want to listen to that podcast. And I'm like, then don't listen then. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, find another like, voter. Exactly. Whatever. But my biggest fear is to fuck up the legacy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just going I- to show the family being dragged through the mud that's what it is for me. I am my mom. Okay. So if you guys think like I'm outspoken. My mom is also very opinionated. That doesn't, Mine too. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. We, we didn't get this from nowhere. <laughs> we were raised like this. My, yeah. Like it, it's very important for us to stand our truth. And my mom has always told me like, Hey, if you're, if this is the truth, then 
you know, go with it. And I'm worried about my dad. My dad is a very, my dad has a very soft spot for me. Like I have a very soft spot for him too. Like he's my favorite person. Um, so my biggest fear is like, we live, we, we live a very social lifestyle and I just don't want, and some of my dad's friends are conservatives. Everyone's always known that we've been liberal. Everyone knows that I used to work for the liberal party of Ontario, um, the liberal government of Ontario, but my biggest fear I think would be like, if someone had said something to my dad and the fact that he would have to defend me and this decision. Yeah. Like, really yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's because it's a man. I just think it's because it's my no, dad. No, no, it's because it's your dad. Because I feel like, dad, right? Also, there's I was a like, father. I gotta go do some more childhood trauma healing. <laughs> well, 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 there's a father daughter thing, and there's patriarchy yeah. wrapped up in that and stuff like that. But I hear what you're saying. You don't want your you want your dad to be proud of you. You want him to yeah. be able to flex. You know what I mean? Like on some level, I wanted to flex. I think I just wanted to be humble, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be like the fact that my dad has to talk me up to a lot of his friends to vote for me. I think that's really. I think that's like. I think that's hitting his. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's hitting his ego, but you really have to vouch for your kid at this point. Yeah. Like yeah, when I yeah. started the business, it's not like my dad was making calls to his buddies and saying, "Hey, support her business." But now that I'm putting my name like out there publicly. It, it's really, it's really taking, um, it stresses me out just a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like, I I don't know because like, and I'm a woman of color again, like these have so many things to do with the fact that we were born of, Mm -hmm. uh, of a minority. Yeah. Like in Brandon now we're seen as a majority, which is now. Oh, I see what you're doing. Oh, you're talking about like, okay. You're talking about like partially model minority and you know, the increased scrutiny of you being a woman of color. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then your dad so having to defend that. Yeah, or yeah. to defend you advocate. against that. Advocate on yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. we've always had a male MP or MPP in this riding. So right. Jagmeet used to be my, Jagmeet Singh, you know, the leader of the NDP. Yeah. Yep. He my MPP for eight years. Oh, okay. and now so you were in his old riding. Yeah, and now his brother is the MPP. I'm running against his brother. Oof. Yeah. But Good you know what you. I'm telling you? I, I'm really proud of myself, too. So a lot Good of people you. ask my dad, like, let, why no, no, aren't you no, no, running against no, no, the no, weapon? No, 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 no. Really buried you the lead not, here. You, you did not let power and influence determine your decision. I respect oh, the no, fuck out of that. Put it our priority. Families on the ground are a priority. These guys, I'm sorry, and I'm going to say this, and again, I might sound like a fill in the blank, but TikToks are not building policy. TikToks do not put money in our pockets, and TikToks do not help us pay our bills. Stop making TikToks, go to policy meetings, and fix policy. It's been four years. You're not able to do that. Okay, let me take your job and do it for you. Because that's what my students deserve. That's what parents deserve. That's what seniors deserve. That's what small business owners deserve. They do not deserve a TikTok. You're, you're, I, I bet you put so much time into it, but nobody has, your, your TikToks are not helping our community. Please stop. They're not even good. Like, that's the other thing. The other I, thing I, too- I've heard they are like very, 
Like they're dancing on them. Like everyone yeah. was like, oh, are you going to make a TikTok? And I'm like, no, Listen. I'm going to go <laughs> on some doors Not and pull the vote. And I'm going to go work on policy, understand what I can do for my community and do some work. Like, I understand you want to be a TikTok influencer, go for the job. No one's telling you not to, but then don't do it on taxpayer dollars. Don't, don't do it. I feel like you read my columns or listened to this podcast because, oh. I never have. I'm not going to lie to you, but I I do feel that we have a connection. And Erica, I do want to see you on the campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Well, reach out. I like, she can find me. I'm so excited for you guys to like interview other like with female candidates, regardless of the party. And, you know, I think it's so important, like what you guys are doing, these questions, they need to be asked. Like it's hard, it's hard. And it's, you know what, if like, they're not willing to hold back, they will answer these questions. I do believe that. Like, you know, I think these are questions that our community needs to hear the answers to. And again, I think a lot of the female candidates are going to bring compassion. They're going to bring empathy to a lot of the families who need help on the ground right now. So I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for doing this. Really, Thank, you. Thank you. Like, this was fucking refreshing for me. Thank you. This is what no, I'm trying to do. No, you were refreshing. Yeah. And, and, and through this sort of, like, interview, I, I, you know, you know, you know there's a generational change that needs to happen, but now I feel it. I feel it this year. You be feeling it. Yeah. I and everything that you're thinking is spot on. And it's really unfortunate that these thoughts are only happening for women. Like, why are only women thinking about this right now? That's what's stressing me out a little bit, just a little bit. Why are only women thinking for other solutions? Because men don't want to hear us. Men don't want to hear us, and they benefit from the existing structure. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. It's easier to sit back and do nothing. Yeah. And And, and then say that it's our, our work. Yeah. 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 And then be like, hey, we're working on it. Well, where, what, what work have you done? Well, that's what I, I want to know. And what are the results <laughs> of that work? Give me the ROI. We don't have a results-based system, which irritates my soul. I'm a very results-driven person. So if it's like, if I say that I'm going to do something, there needs to be a network of steps that's going to go towards getting this result. I think our education system needs a results-based system to make sure that we're holding the entire system accountable for children's success. Because remember, these children, they are going to be going into our workforce. They're not yeah. ready for our workforce right now. I, I They're just, not ready. I, and I wonder how much COVID has held them back. So much. You don't yeah. you have no idea. I've I don't have the idea. Right you're right. Mm. The I'm teaching calculus classes right now, and these students are are lost. And I don't even say to them like, "Oh my God, guys, what you don't know anything?" No, I'm like, "Hey, guys, here's a video to help you learn this grade ten concept to help you in this grade twelve year." Because those two years of online many students, you know, actually. So sorry, can I just say one more thing? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, I have a ministry in high school. Okay. And I go through ministry inspections and this is what kind of like made me say yes to running in this election is that I go through these inspections and they want to see all my T's crossed and all my I's dotted. So one day I asked my inspector, I was like, do you do these inspections in actual high schools? 
because you're you're like they've docked off marks on my on my calculus class instruction because I was teaching a grade 10 concept in a grade 12 class. So I asked her, I was like, well, how did you want me to get this kid to take the derivative of a trigonometric function if he doesn't even know Thank what a you. trigonometric function is? Yeah. So I have to obviously review the grade 11, 10, the 10, 11 concept in order for them yep. to do the grade 12 concept. And she was like, no, you can't do that. She's like, they have to review that on their own time. I was like, it's a child. It's like telling a child, oh, can you go do your taxes right now? No. Yeah, exactly. In the future. But like, you can't do that. I like teaching problem solving. So like my calculus classes, it's not like, oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, okay, this is the problem. How do we get there? Children need to learn problem solving strategies. And right now, when they see a problem, they break down. It's their immediate response. Some kids just literally just are like, I don't know. They don't even try. We need to start, and this is the generational thing that you were talking about, Erica. We need to start teaching them like, hey, when we see a problem, we need to build a bunch of steps and ask questions to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. That's what that's we right. should be doing. So that's what actually motivated me to also run because I'm like, at this in this time, we're going to be stuck with a generation of children who do not know how to solve problems, whether it's math, science, English, whatever it is. When you go to work every day, you're solving problems. So every day you should in school, whether it's trigonometry, exponential functions, whatever it is, you should be able to solve the problem. That's the key idea here. My students always ask me, why do I need this? I'm like, you don't really need this concept, but you do need to know how to go from start to finish flawlessly. That's what I'm here to teach you. And we, when I do my inspections, I'm like telling, I'm like, you're, you're badgering me on this concept. I'm like, what are they doing in, in public schools right now? I wouldn't have a private high school if the public school was so underfunded. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, you have a private school. You must be so like, you know, why would I vote for you? And I was like, I have a private school because the public school system is so underfunded that parents are desperate to get their child educated. You know what? Period. It's funny. Uh, so this is going to be my last thing. You know what? It's so funny. I was just at my, um, my hairstylist. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to put my kid in private school. I'm like, Adrian, Adrian is so not the private school kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I so I was like, I was like, why? I said, why did you decide that? He said, he said, first of all, Erica, I'm looking for one that's mixed. Okay. So like culturally appropriate, culturally mixed. Second mm-hmm. of all, the problem with public school is these kids aren't taught any sort of creativity yeah that that art is gone music is gone um woodworking draftsmanship is gone gym is gone everything's gone for for the to be efficient and to streamline he's like i don't want my kids to be efficient and streamlined i want them to be educated and i want them to know about art and music and science and literature and history well-rounded people well-rounded education my parents honestly they came to north america they were like this is what y'all teaching because they're used to the well-rounded education you know the british queens and english and all that okay Mm -hmm. but so you had to know how to write my dad was one of the few engineers who knew how to write you know what i mean like i like the whole idea of education does not stop at the classroom 
And, mm -hmm. and this idea that we have to make proper cogs in the capitalist wheel is a bother to me. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. We need to teach. It's the problem solving. We need to teach these kids how to like that they can think about reading comprehension, because as I see on Twitter, that was missed with the last generation. Okay. You know, we have to teach them how to understand what they're reading and what they're yeah. doing and why calculus is important. Calculus is motherfucking important if you want to talk about bending the curve. Second mm -hmm. derivative. Second derivative. Okay. And I remember like, and that's the thing. These are all real world applications. I don't, I didn't realize that they were gone. That, that I'm like, what is the education system teaching? Yeah, because I think, Erica, you and I, we don't interact with many, like, teenagers. We know probably people with kids who are yeah. older, like 18, 19, 20, maybe college-year-olds, yeah. or, like, little children. Mm -hmm. I don't know many people with those, like, preteen teenagers. So, like, this is... Yeah, like middle, high school kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. But even, like, don't you notice, like, even with the 18, 19-year-olds, they're, like, very, like, they have no guidance. They have yeah, no mentor. Yeah, they right. no they're lost. They're they lost. are lost and they have no, like they're lost. Okay, I feel like Gen Z is either lost or they're freedom fighters, okay? Like, I feel like they're one or the oh, other. You know what I mean? My sister so, is Gen Z and they're yeah. lost, but they're lost freedom fighters. They're lost That's freedom fighters. Way to put it. They're exactly. lost freedom fighters. They can't call to order pizza. But if their rights are wrong, then they are going to let you know. They're going to be like, you say that to me. And this is so it's like, that's that why I feel true. like we need to provide mentorship because it's like, we need to help you build your skills. That's all we're going to do. We're going to help you build your skills. But we, we also like, you know, these guys are going to change the way the workforce is. Yep. Work from home. They already so are. Yeah. they're gonna be like so into like the work from nine to five only like I remember when I was young I would work past five o'clock to show my director or my boss that I was working yeah. really hard now I'm looking at like damn I was not paid for those hours after exactly. 5 p.m honey you better pay Where is my conversation? You know, this is capitalism <laughs> how are you not paid aggressional capitalism exactly <laughs> Capitalism is there to to literally only empower the rich. I, I do believe that. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we need to bring in like progressional capitalism where we're also realizing that people do need to be paid for their time. Yeah. Our time also, is valuable. It's also that you can't have one part of society being obscenely rewarded while the other one suffers. Like that oh, does, yeah. that's like French Revolution vibes. You know what I mean? Like but that's why they say this country was built off the back of immigrants, because that's what it was like. You know, my parents did anything to get this household running. Um, yeah. Our parents did whatever it took to get things done. And they did it for those capitalists. You can fill in the blank there. But yeah. um, they did it for those capitalists. And now, like when I. I work and my, my employees are like, Oh my God, Janet, I'll do anything for you. And I was like, really? I was like, that's really like weird. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, can I? <laughs> no. Cause you know what? I think their time is valuable. So like yeah. if I book classes on Saturday, I want to ask them, Oh, Hey, like, is this worth your time? And they're like, yeah, yeah Janet, don't worry. Like, we know you're busy on the campaign. We'll help you. And I'm like, but I'm asking you to do a lot. And they'll be like, no, no, no. You focus on the campaign and we'll do this. And I'm like, 
oh my God, like one of my girls, Gurleen, I just came to the office. I haven't gone to my office in a really long time. So she was teaching and I came in. I was like, hi guys. Like, I just wanted to come and say hello. And she was like, oh my God, give me a hug. I haven't seen you in so long. And she's like, we miss you. And like, I'm like, oh my God, like I haven't paid you yet. Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah. late because I haven't been checking the bank account because I've been so busy with the campaign. And she's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get it all. She's like, I'm keeping track of everything. And I'm like, oh my God, you're a godsend. But it's like, you have to treat your staff well because I've seen what happens. Our parents literally built this country off their backs and look how tired they are. Yeah. And mm, now I know that they're not yeah. going to be able to retire with dignity because pension isn't holding up this inflation. It's not the exactly. same. Exactly. Exactly. My dad will not retire because he's like, have you seen my pension? He's like, I can't live like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awful. So professional capitalism is what I'm looking for. And this is why women of color are so important because those caretaking duties that we do give us an insight into the effect of the policies. And I don't think that there's enough of a connection between the people who propose the policies, the people who do the policies and the effect. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we have to go. Janet, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so great getting to know you. And like we said, you're just a breath of fresh air and we wish you all the best in the next, uh, what is it? 27 days of your campaign can you believe how quickly it's gonna go I am like sometimes I don't think about the day to be very honest I don't do the countdown so that I just it's just done I just want it to be done (laughs) well all the best and we look forward to you keeping in touch so Erica I will talk to you next time bye